not go see the Best of All Worlds tour. It's not Van Halen. How you doing? Welcome to Screams of the Grave. This is Lou Mavs with my buddy from Rat Side Review, Greg Noggle. We're here to talk about Van Halen today. Not Van Hagar. Van Halen. Everybody got that? Van Halen. Understand? <laughs> Everyone talks about Van Halen 1, how it changed the face of rock guitar. And we're not going to disagree with that statement. They talk about Van Halen 2, where it was the best tone of Eddie's career. And we're not going to deny that. Talk about the greatness of albums such as Women and Children First. The polarizing yet appreciative tone of Diver Down and <laughs> the even more polarizing 1984 but again, it's not like Van Halen were hurting their way onto the bank. However, there was one album that seems to have only gone double platinum, and it's the favorite amongst Van Halen diehards. And that album is 1981's Fair Warning, produced by Ted Templeman, released on Warner Brothers Records. I think, and this is just my opinion, it's the greatest damn album ever recorded. <laughs> Well, it's certainly the best Van Halen album. I mean, we all know my favorite album of all time is Born Again by Black Sabbath, but that's a different story. That's fine. Also, I think this is probably the best portrait of Eddie Van Halen and his guitar playing and quite possibly the best he ever did. Which is funny because at the time that he recorded this, he was in a very depressive state, which is ironic because he had just gotten married to Valerie Bernelli. There seemed to have been a power play within Van Halen where it seems as though the motives of David Lee Roth were becoming more publicized, well-known, and Eddie didn't want to be the party guitarist. He wanted to be taken seriously. Well, even though this album is the least selling amongst the original six pack, then we're not including different kind of truth in there because that's at the end. Yeah. And that's not the original lineup. You can't start an album with Mean Street and tell me that you think it sucks. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, and I don't think it's so much that people think it sucks because most Van Halen fans you run into, even if they're more for the total party in 1984 or like uh, the more popular songs that rely heavier on Ross leanings, um, they don't necessarily dislike this one. They find it hard to get into. And I think it's because it's a very dark and aggressive album. It's very in your face and it never stops. I mean, even the ending to it is quite rude, if you think about it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But with, um, you, you, were, you were saying with the state he was in at the time, he was also very angry and felt pigeonholed. And I think Dave and both Ted just kind of sitting back and, okay, just let him do his thing. Really let him completely do his complete full vision in one package. Not that... Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2, Women and Children First don't feature a lot of Eddie's ideas. They do, but this is probably the least compromising I think he ever was, where you really just got to hear truly what Eddie was thinking and what Eddie wanted to do immediately. Because um, Again, speaking of uh, ex expressives and tones, um, Dave really almost takes a sidestep. Teddy's guitar on this it, it's very vocal 
here. I'm I, I, yeah, I, I noticed that. I could just tell you from the perspective of me discovering this cassette in my late brother Mike's cassette collection. You know, I mean, I, I had mentioned that my first exposure to Van Halen was the jump video and seeing Eddie Van Halen smile with, as he was playing at the time was the Frankenstrat with the Kramer neck on it. Mm -hmm. But what captured me wasn't the way Eddie was playing. It was it was it was oh, the way he was expressing himself with a smile through his playing. And that's what captured me. And I remember the words I said to myself were, I want to feel what he's feeling one day. It wasn't until I discovered, and this was the only cassette that my brother Mike had in his collection of Van Halen. And huh. I looked at the front, I looked at the front uh, cassette cover and the painting is the maze. It's a portion of the painting, the maze that they uh, took out and said, okay, that's the album cover. And like, I just thought it was very grimy and very dirty looking. And, you know, here I am at four years old asking myself, what the hell is this? And thankfully, by the grace of God, the album, the cassette was all the way around on side one. Now, nice. now, mind you, I grew up in Astoria, Queens, which, you know, the borough of Queens in New York City, New York City at the time, 1980s, uh, you know, the Bronx was in shambles. Uh, Brooklyn was more known for bad things going on at the time you know astoria queens did have uh some kind of like suburban kind of feel even though like you know my high school was right across the street from the projects and you know and my and where my parents house were was was not too far from the police uh, police department <laughs> the 114th precinct on one side and on the other side you had the fire department so at night, I hear these sirens, and as a kid, I'd get anxious and scared. The moment I heard, I wish my dog would shut the hell up at this point. <laughs> Quiet wishes. Um, the moment I put the cassette on and I heard um, Mean Street, and I heard that opening tapping guitar riff. And yes. just to know the panic that it caused me, because it made me think of those sirens. And... Like, I did not know what I was in for, but I just remember being able, I was finally able to identify with a sound that I wanted for my own. And 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 again, at four years old, that sound scared the living shit out of me <laughs> to a point where as soon as that opening riff kicked, I was hooked. I mean, four years old, I should be listening to one of these things is not like the other or, you know, any other song from Sesame Street. Fuck sure. Big Bird. This was my new, <laughs> these were my new songs. <laughs> so one of these kids is not like the other. One of these kids is dead. Exactly. <laughs> somebody cried for a warning and shot that po' boy down anyway. <laughs> yeah, that that is what fair warning was to me. It, it was a warning telling me you are not coming back from this the same way as you were when you entered at four years old awesome man i didn't hear it till i was about 13 and i already had the other one this one was tough to find actually i think i had to special order it from sam goody just to get the cd that kind of doesn't surprise me because the unfortunate thing about this album is that it's only known for unchained by casual fans 
which yep. if you want that, that's available on almost every greatest hits album that Van Halen released. I mean, I heard it and I was like, oh man, I, I got to hear this record. This is from, this sounds way heavier than even the first one. And that was why I went nuts for it when I first got, it's like, holy shit, it's Van Halen, but full metal. <laughs> yeah. I like, you know, you, it, it's funny because Mean Street was reconstituted from an old song that they had called Voodoo Queen. And really? yeah, and I heard Voodoo Queen and it was a, it was a good riff. It was a good jam, but somehow it came into its own with, uh, you know, when it was revisioned as Mean Street and you know, here I'm thinking David Lee Roth is a badass, not realizing this is the same guy that wears like, you know, brightly colored spandex bell bottoms with Capizio tap shoes and all that stuff. But who cares? Because what you hear on record should matter more than what you see on stage if you're a music fan, in my opinion. Yes. And then, you know, you get into the next track, Dirty Movies. Now, at four years old, I didn't know what adult entertainment was. Until I heard this <laughs> and they did that alert, yeah. And what solidified it was my father, God rest his soul, used to run an auto mechanic shop on Astoria Boulevard in East Elmhurst. On one side, you had the Fair Theater, which was an adult movie theater of an alternative type of lifestyle. I'll let you guess. Across the street, you had the cozy cabin which was a hole-in-the-wall strip club. And on the other side, you had an adult video store. And oddly enough, my father did service the van for the adult video store, so they'd pay him very well and would even ask him, you want some of our stuff? My, father, my, my, my late brother Mike would be like, yes, yes. My father would be like, stop it, knock it off. But little innocent me, I didn't realize what adult entertainment was. And this song... Completely explained it to me. <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> you know, and, and if I'm yeah. over, if I'm I, over emphatic, there's a reason for it. Because again, I'm four at the time. Go ahead, Greg. Sorry. I was going to say it's funny. Up until um, I got got a little bit older, and then Beavis and Butthead was on, and was watching that. I originally thought adult entertainment was shit like Lawrence Welk that I hated because I was a kid when i found out it was porno it was quite a shock <laughs> lawrence Welk. <laughs> yeah because oh that was God. stuff adults like that i hated so i was like wait what boobs huh <laughs> and now we sing the song for you it's called lick my love pump and she's going to do a solo and i'm going to accompany her it's not a solo then lawrence Welk. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Where's the bubbles at? Anyways. <laughs> right. um, and then, you know, uh, the tracks after that, Sinner Swing. Jeez, oh, I mean, that, like. That drum and, God, that melody that Eddie's playing on his guitar. I mean, okay, the backing vocals are always important on Van Halen albums. We okay. know this. Yes. But the way he's playing along just totally outshines what they're doing vocal wise on center swing. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, hear about it later. The track after that, you know, I mean, probably What's the more radio accessible 
rock song on this. But it's just funny how none of these songs, I think, with the exception of Unchained, ever get played on the radio. Like, this is not, this is supposedly not a radio-friendly album. And it's, it is. Actually, do you know how they even got Unchained on the radio? How? They had to pay the radio stations. Payola. Yep. I think I read that in Noel Monk's book, Running with the Devil. Yep. That's where you got your info. Making the payments. (laughs) Well, it's funny. That book revealed so much about it. And and all due respect to Steve Rosen and his book, Tone Chaser, because, you know, again, he did a wonderful job humanizing Eddie. But Noel Monk did an incredible job capturing what life was like for those first seven years of Van Halen's existence when they were a member of uh, the Warner Brothers uh, uh, team. And, you know, there's a lot in that book that is hilarious, some that is gut-wrenching, and then there's others where it's just completely heartbreaking. So all I say is this. If you do read this book, don't let, if you love Eddie, don't let it change your mind. Because remember, he's only human. So yep. that's, that's all I'm going to say. But yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> And, 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 you know, I mean, radio was definitely in Van Halen's pocket back in the day. I mean, you know, with their covers of with their cover of You Really Got Me and uh, also their, you know, the song Dance the Night Awake. You know, I mean, Van Halen was popular in the 70s. Don't believe whatever Sammy tells you. They were already a stadium act before he joined them. OK. And if you're really OK, I, 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 Greg, I got I just got to make this point. If you calculate the four albums, if you if you if you if you calculate the tally of how many albums uh, Van Halen sold with Sammy, they're still not more than the total combined sales of Van Halen one in 1984. So when Sammy tells you that Van Halen was more successful with him, it's bullshit. It is bullshit about the only thing. That they did, uh, technically, if you want to say a little better, is because, well, when you hire the biggest schmuck known in the music business to front your band, you kind of have to go middle of the road with everything. So, yes, it topped a pop chart because moms could listen to Why Can't This Be Love while they're grocery shopping. However, so this is love rocks and makes people just slightly a little uncomfortable because it's a little dirty but that's what van agar never had charisma because sammy agar had none i agree (laughs) and for the record any lyric off this album is better than only time will tell if we stand the test of time fuck you sammy agar (laughs) (laughs) very good point (laughs) Wow. Can you think of anything more pretentious than that? Um, And then you have Unchained, which, you know, as a kid, when I first heard that riff, I I don't get tired of it. Even if it's the only song that still gets played on the radio, I still never get tired of it. Me neither. It's such a great riff. Oh, and uh, to go back to hear about it later, I love that song little poppier but the one thing i always enjoyed about it too now as i got a little older and found out more about the background recording of this album but just how it was eddie doing for eddie feels like that's a little tongue-in-cheek thing he threw in there 
I'm going to do what I want. And I don't want to hear about it later. So the hell with all you clowns. <laughs> That's a very valid point. You know, I've always felt like Eddie was best when he was left to his own devices and just, you know, created gold like this. Um, the next song after Unchained, uh, Push Comes to Shove. You know, I did not know Van Halen could do reggae that well. I was impressed. You know? I didn't either. And then the, the little, uh, like, vaudeville show bits to the chorus. Get, 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 get out and push. It's like, wow. That's... <laughs> Yeah, at the end, but that's amazing. Yeah, well, well, he he did that in center swing too. Oh yeah, I just mean in general on the on the record. Oh, that's true. And then so this is I forgot to mention it on center swing, but yeah, right. And then so this is love, which is a dirty love song, which you know I love the riff to this. Oh, so do I. And and Michael Anthony's bass line on this is awesome. Again, the way it just locks in. With Alex, I mean, you know, and and it's crazy how, you know, history now dictates that Michael wasn't that good of a bass player. I really disagree with that. You know, I mean, you had to be a simple bass player to play with Van Halen. You couldn't get a Billy Sheehan to replace him because it seriously needed a more simplistic approach. But simple doesn't always mean bad. You know, there's so much going on in Van Halen's music that if the drum was going off and the guitar was going on and if the bass was going off, it would be a hodgepodge of blah, is what I say. Yep. I agree. And I honestly, I think their problems were more personal than anything else. Just kind of feels like, oh, he wasn't really that good of a bass player. It was just a quick thing thrown out there to shut people up about it so they didn't have to air more of their dirty laundry. There you go. And then, you know, the uh, two songs that close off the album. But if you, you know, to me, they they flow well together, um, which is um, Saturday afternoon in the park into One Foot Out the Door. Uh, You know, the way it has that creepy synthesizer sound. And I know it's a synthesizer because when I I saw the uh, Van Halen concert bootleg, of this tour and you know eddie was playing a synthesizer for this but it was you know like it it was i forget which one it was but on record it just sounded you know killer and creepy and then all of a sudden the way it just hits you in the face with a sidekick you know with uh one foot out the door yeah what a way to close the album love that you know and people want to say that dave's not a good lyricist you try writing these lyrics or, or try, try writing lyrics that fit with the mood of the song and capture it perfectly. Right. You can't. You know, you, no. you think you think Sammy could write a song about food or sex to one of these songs? I don't think so. <laughs> no, he only wants to sing about the speed limit. I'd like to drive 55 right over him, but I digress. Anyways, moving right along. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this is my favorite Van Halen album, and it is my favorite album of all time. And the reason why Greg and I both agree that it belongs on Screams from the Grave is that not enough people talk about this. And I know one musician who says that it's his favorite Van Halen album. 
regardless of however you feel about him or the band, but Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins said that this was his favorite Van Halen album. So, you know, not that it holds clout, but I think that's pretty cool that the guy who took over the quote unquote alternative rock throne in the 90s said that this is an album that people should check out. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give him that credit. Absolutely. Oh, certainly. And, and really most, um, well, I'm going to say musicians in general, but certainly at least guitar players always marked us as their favorite Van Halen album. And even, um, Wolfgang, I can't remember what the magazine was. I think it might've been ultimate classic rock, but when they were asking him about it, he said, I, I would pick two and it's both because they show who my dad really was completely as a player and he named fair warning and balance okay i i have one confession that i feel like i should make sure in regards to the sammy hagar era of van halen i think balance may be the one album where i can actually say that there's snippets of classic eddie in there and i actually love the way his guitar sounds on that and I, I will listen to that album and somehow block Sammy's voice and lyrics and end up and enjoy it what it is I'm hearing. I agree. And and you can with that one because I, I think it's also worth the point of making that and great granted just my opinion overall, but I also think history kind of agrees. It was the first time since 1984 and even on 1984 he was focused on the pop tendencies a little bit more but balance was really the first time he made a guitar oriented album and was more focused on his parts since fair warning really you know um the whole hagar era which is three really terrible albums but it's it's focused on being top of the charts and being more pop rock um you know, people always say to me, oh, Agar's singing isn't that bad. Number one, it is. Yes. But number two, those albums really aren't about Eddie all that much. I mean, OK, they're, they're about Eddie and the fact that he's still doing what he wants to do, especially with keyboards and other shit like that. But it's it's not the guitar focused Eddie of the original six. Yeah. I mean, and you can hear it in songs like The Seventh Seal. Uh, you could even hear it in songs like Balagetherium. Um, You could even hear it in songs like Feeling. Mm -hmm. Eddie's, his guts came back on that album. And it's, it's not one of my favorites, but it's one of the more enjoyable non-six-pack. I actually, no, I'm... With the exception of different kind of truth, because I do love that album. Um, yes. So I I would say balance would be my number eight <laughs> of the uh, Van Halen uh, records. So yeah, I mean, I'll, it's Eddie. You're right. Eddie sounds best, sounded best when he was playing for himself, not to fulfill any uh, contract negotiation or anything like that. And you know. Maybe it was no surprise that 
towards the end of that Hagar era that they got Dave back for that sole purpose. Cause maybe Eddie refound his purpose. And unfortunately, you know, there was that blackout period between 98 to about 2007 where, you know, the poor guy was blitzed out of his mind, but thank God he refound himself because if anyone got to see Eddie between 2007 and 2015, you saw him at the top of his game. And I yep. envy you for it. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. And Wolfgang played fine with his uncle and his dad. So Yes. And a lot I, of you guys need to be easier on that kid, especially with your unabashed love of Sammy Hagar. Like, like seriously. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, I did see Mammoth on the recent Metallica tour. Mammoth WVH. <laughs> That kid is a phenom. Wolfgang Van Halen is a phenom. I don't care if people poo-poo the album or they poo-poo the band. What I can't stand the fact is that people tell him stop living off your father's name or <laughs> why don't you, you know, wanted they'll tell him that in the same breath they'll tell him, why don't you do a Van Halen tribute tour? Leave the kid alone. Let him do what he does. <laughs> I, I mean, they, they tried to turn it into this big thing, but that one interview clip they had with him where somebody says that to him about living off his dad's last name. He, Fuck you. It's literally my last name. Exactly. <laughs> but they were a great opening live act. I hope and wish the best for Wolf. I think he's got a great promising career ahead of him. And I respect the fact that he's trying to be his own guy and not be his dad. I, I really respect him for that. So do I. And I honestly, I think if Eddie, rest in peace, were still here, he would encourage him to do the same thing. He did. <laughs> yeah. He did. So, you know, good on the old man for doing that. And, uh, you know, and Greg and I, again, we say rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Go check out Fair Warning. It's the best album that Van Halen ever did, in our opinions. And uh, you won't regret it. Now, if I can only then, get my dog into it. <laughs> right. But it'll be one of the best guitar albums you ever hear. One of the neatest things to look at right down to that inner sleeve with the dirty wall and the mean street lyrics on it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Nothing like it. Check us out over on RatsideReview.com. If you haven't, please subscribe, like, comment. We do engage Everybody who enjoys our content, we thank you for even watching it in the first place. And uh, don't forget to also check out Severed Angel over at SeveredAngel.com. The album is out. Go pick it up. Our next album, Skyward, is dropping this spring. So, you know, we'll keep everyone in the loop on that. And yeah, man, Rat Style Review. Check it out. Thanks for watching Screams from the Grave. Greg, did you want to say something? Check out the Rat Salad Review Facebook page, especially if you're into uh, hard rock like this, because I am currently doing a worst to best of Kiss posts, and I would love everybody's feedback. And, hey, the hell with it. Let's argue. You love Asylum? I don't, but let's talk about it. Why not? And if you love uh, Hot in the Shade, I have to ask, what's wrong with you? Anyways. Yes. Thanks for checking. <laughs> Thanks for checking out Screams from the Grave. This is Lou. That's Greg. Demone.
Eddie Van Halen here, telling you, keep playing, man. Gotta keep playing. It's the only thing there is. Music, man. Keep playing. All right? I'm gonna come looking for you if you don't. What side are you taking the big David Lee Roth Van Halen split? Van Halen. He's a cop. Oh, I want to take this time to say that this is real whiskey here. The only people who put iced tea in Jack Daniels bottles is the Clash, baby! Severed Angel, the deluxe edition of the self-titled debut album, available now. Pick up your copy today over at SeveredAngel.com. Available on all streaming media platforms. Severed Angel, get ready to ride the dogs of war. Welcome back to Screams from the Grave. On Rat Side Review, this is Lou We got Mads. one foot out the door. Oh, Wait a minute, wrong album. <laughs> I suppose we'll, we should. All right, this is an outtake that's going to be the end. Fine, we'll talk about fair warning. Fuck it. Okay.